Hey everyone, welcome back to our weekly live session. Hopefully you can all join me. This is going to be a good one. This is an important one. So for those of you with hypothyroidism or Hashimoto's, this one is so, so important for you to listen to. Take notes, share on your page, share with other people that you know, friends, family members that have hypothyroidism. This one is good. There's a lot to go over. I'm going to try to get to all of it. I'm Amy Horneman, functional medicine practitioner, nutritionist, and specialist in treating thyroid conditions, broken metabolisms, and hormone imbalances. My goal for over 24 years has always been to help my patients get their life back. And that's what we're here to give you. We're giving you the simple, actionable strategies to actually fix your thyroid. That's why I created the Thyroid Fix Podcast. So if you're struggling with weight, energy, brain fog, and hair loss, then hey, you're in the right place. Let's get you fixed. When our stress is sky high and we are not taking care of ourselves, that is one mistake that we are doing because it's not doing our thyroid any favors whatsoever. Are you finally at your wits end where you are tired of dealing with doctor after doctor? Maybe you've spent thousands on integrative or functional practitioners that have not helped you at all because they don't know the thyroid and hormones. They're not even testing properly. So come work with myself and my team. We prescribe to all 50 states and parts of Canada. I have you covered. I've been building this team for years so that I could help you no matter where you are. All you have to do is click the link in the show notes, book a free application call. We're going to go over your current health situation, what worked, what hasn't worked, all the things. And then we will pair you up with the right program for you where we will do it all. You will come out the other side of the program, totally optimized, getting your life back. You're going to recognize the person you see in the mirror again. Doesn't that sound absolutely amazing? Well, it might sound... Like you don't even believe it, but I promise you, I promise you, we will take good care of you. So click the link in the show notes, book a call today, and we'll be talking to you soon. When we are continuously stressed, so whether you've been hit hard by this COVID mess, a lot of stress on your shoulders, you need to take some time to breathe and do things for yourself. So whether it's a walk on the beach or whether it's taking your dog for a walk, whether it's getting a massage, doing some deep breathing, meditation, yoga, whatever that might be to lower those cortisol levels, that stress hormone, cortisol, whatever it takes to lower those levels, you have to do it. You have to make it a part of your daily routine. I won't spend too much time on just stress because we have a lot to get through But suffice to say, high stress levels will increase your cortisol levels. And for those of you who are educating yourself in the thyroid, you will know or have read or have heard somewhere that high cortisol levels will interfere with T4 to T3 conversion. And that absolutely is the case. High cortisol levels through the day will keep your blood sugar and insulin high. So that's just going to do nothing but promote inflammation and promote weight gain. But it's also going to promote weight gain through slowing down T4 to T3 conversion, possibly converting T4 into reverse T3, which is not what you want. That's the anti-T3. And you don't want too much reverse T3 because that will block the active thyroid hormone from getting into your cells. So here I am going down a rabbit hole of stress. Let's keep going. Okay. When we're talking about toxins, 
pesticides, xenobiotics, xenoestrogens. I have an 80-20 rule. And this is going to encompass everything from the water you drink to the makeup that you put on your face. I have an 80-20 rule. 80% you can control, 20% you can't. And in that 20%, you're going to have things that you choose not to control, such as getting your hair dyed, right? I'm not going to stop getting color on my head. I'm just not. That's my choice. That's part of my 20%. Some things that you can't control. Let's say you're on the road. You're going on a vacation. You need to drink water. So let's say you're driving, right? Or you're at the airport. You need to drink water. You have to get the plastic water bottle because you need water. We don't want you dehydrating. Yes, now they have the box of water, which you can certainly get. But a lot of times you have to get that plastic water bottle. Well, that water bottle has been in in warehouses, it's been heated up on delivery trucks, it's been heated up in the back of the grocery store before it hit the shelves. So that water bottle has been heated over and over and over again, and the BPAs in that bottle have leached into the water, and you are drinking them, and you are contaminating yourself with BPA. Again, 20%. I don't expect you to dehydrate, but just make conscious choices and change that 80% that you can control. So we're going to go into what you can't control. Real quick, before we do that, I have a few stats I want to throw out that I wrote down that are just super interesting. And you're, some of you are going to freak out when you hear these numbers. So women, women, those who wear makeup, and you're putting makeup on your face and lotion and eye cream and body cream. Throw out that bath and body stuff, ladies. It's loaded with chemicals. So women apply 168 chemicals to their faces and body daily. That's just the chemicals and stuff that we put on. Now, people in general, male or female, are exposed to 700,000 chemicals a day. I'm going to say that again. 700,000 Chemicals a day are what you're exposed to. What do these toxins and parabens and sulfates and xenobiotics and xenoestrogens, what do they do? Why do we have to avoid them? Well, many of them, such as chlorine, bromide, fluoride, are top offenders to the thyroid. They will go right to the thyroid. It will block absorption of thyroid hormone in your cell. It will downregulate your thyroid function. It will stop your medication from working. I'm doing a separate video on just that this week. So we'll focus on those big three later in the week. But just think about that. You have three chemicals that you most likely are exposed to daily. If you take a shower and you have city water, there's chlorine in it. That's how they treat it. If you brush your teeth, are you still brushing your teeth with fluoride toothpaste? Are you still getting fluoride treatments at the dentist? Are you drinking a Mountain Dew because that has bromine in it? Are you soaking in a hot tub using either chlorine or bromine tablets? You are exposed more than you know. And those are just the top three. We're exposed to 700,000 chemicals a day, many of which are endocrine disruptors. They, they, they're hormone imbalancers. They disrupt the whole system. So when we say about the endocrine system, we're talking about your thyroid. We're talking about your hormones. We're talking about your hormone function. It's very, very important to realize that when the endocrine system gets disrupted, you are going to suffer. You're going to have symptoms of hypothyroidism, extreme fatigue, 
sometimes detox type of symptoms. You will go into a weight gain mode because we're disrupting your thyroid function, which is your metabolism, as well as insulin, because that's part of the endocrine system. Insulin gets dysregulated, starts to go into an insulin resistant or type 2 diabetic state. You are going to gain weight. So, okay. How about those numbers? I have another number for you. So the EPA has only tested 200 out of 84,000 chemicals on the market, and they've only regulated five. So they've only tested 200. They regulated five, meaning these are bad for you. Out of 84,000 chemicals on the market right now to be used. So anybody do the math? What about the 83,800 other chemicals that we don't know anything about, whether they should be regulated or not? So let's real quick look at Europe and let's take red number 40. I think it's red 40, maybe blue 40, but it's the red dot. I think it's red 40. Let's look at Europe, right? They ban that chemical because that's what it is. We're not just talking about coloring Easter eggs, kids. We're talking about a chemical. So they actually ban that in the country. They will mark food as hazardous. In the UK, right? Am I right on that? Because I read this. I haven't been there and actually picked up something with red food coloring in it. And children certainly aren't allowed to have it because we know it causes developmental issues, increasing autism risk exponentially. And I believe if a company does use it, they have to put a warning label on that product. So as we go into the different toxins, things to pay attention to, little things, right? Like we talked about the 80-20 rule. So we're going to talk about what you can change, what you don't have to change. Tampons, ladies, men, put on the earmuffs. Tampons and pads have chloroform and acetone in there. It's a developmental toxin. Um, I would refer back to the environmental page on the EWG website. So EWG, Environmental Working Group. They have a healthy living app that you can check your different products. It will tell you everything in them and it will actually mark them green, yellow, red, like, okay, kind of moderate risk. And then don't freaking use this red. So EWG, great resource on their page. Um, they actually have a list of developmental toxins. So these are the things that will definitely impact hormone levels, the endocrine system. And also if you are getting pregnant, plan to get pregnant, these are the chemicals that you want to completely avoid. That's tampons and pads. Let's talk about your body wash, your body lotion. So here's the big ones that I really want you to change. And I understand if part of your 20% is, oh my God, Amy, I had the best concealer in the world and I'm not going to give it up and it's made by MAC and I'm not going to do it. And that's part of your 20%. That's cool. What concealer do I use? I might use MAC. I'm not sure. Anyway, I like it. So yeah, I'm not budget on my concealer either. Um, so that might be part of your 20%. But think about the big things that you can control, the big things that you can change. So body wash, body lotion, face wash, face lotion. Those are the big ones, right? Because the water's coming out. Your chlorinated city water is pumping through the tap and you're showering in it and your pores are open, and your pores are absorbing all that awesome chlorine and the fluoride that they put in your city water to treat it, 
and then it's getting in your system. And then on top of that, you're washing your body with some like dollar store suave and that's loaded with carabins and sulfates and different chemicals. And then you get out and your pores are open and you lather that bath and body works smelly good stuff all over you and you take in that smell and all those perfumes and the dyes and the toxins in that nice little bath and body works lotion absorbs in and then you slap some i don't know oil of olay on your face that actually might be a decent one let's say you slap some drugstore lotion on your face to moisturize with yeah i can easily see where you hit 160 before walking out the door 160 chemicals on your body Think of the ingredient list, huge, right? So these are an easy change. These are easy, especially nowadays. You have Jason's, you have a cure, you have just regular old Castile soap that is multi-purpose. You can even wash your vegetables with it. You have so many organic lines like Burt's Bees and Tom's. Um, I know you have, there's upscale organic face lines too. Uh, I'm a big fan of Naomi Whittle. She has a Umi line that is fantastic. All very natural, all very good for you. And I'm sure that there's many, many more that I'm not even touching right now. Those are easy to change up. Easy, easy, inexpensive. Listen, when I learned about all this, I was using Obagi. It's an expensive line for those of you who don't know. It's medical grade skincare. It's an expensive line. And I got to tell you, I flipped it over and I saw methyl paraben and polyparaben and butyl paraben and this paraben and there's five different parabens. I threw it out. I threw it out. It hurt a little bit because it's expensive. It's like throwing out a pair of buckle jeans. Like you just don't want to do it, but you have to do it. You have to make that switch because why would you want to get out of your chlorinated shower and lather on some more chemicals? Just keep putting them on. Like just let them soak on in. Make sure you rub your neck with it too. So it absorbs like right here and then brush your teeth with some fluoride toothpaste. No, you have to stop. This is the long-term goal. This isn't something like you're going to take um, you know, some new T3. We're going to up your dose and you're going to lose weight in a couple of weeks. No, this is long-term. This is like six months from now. You're going to be like, you know what? I feel a lot better. And you're going to look back at all the things that you cut out. And you will be amazed at the toxic burden that you have taken off your body. You will be amazed. And ladies, your skin might actually get better because you're not putting all those chemicals on it. So now we go to the makeup. So there are lines that are specifically cruelty-free, but also natural, organic. They're not going to crush your skin. Things like Tarte, Bare Minerals, Juice Beauty, Alba Botanica. I use them for sunscreen. Awesome sauce beautycounter.com products. And I'm sure there's many, many more, but you have to look at your makeup as well. And listen, like I said, if you have your favorite concealer, that's cool. That is fine. I completely respect that. You can hang on to your favorite concealer, but I want you to start changing up and looking at the chemicals in your makeup and what you're being exposed to on a daily basis. This is important. Shampoo and conditioner, totally up to you. I like me some Paul Mitchell. It is sulfate free, at least. It's not like totally 100% organic. Shampoo and conditioner, I say, listen, it's up to you. Euphora, we use that with our breast cancer patients because that is 100% pure, 100% pure. So Euphora is a very expensive line, but we use that in um, with recovering breast cancer patients. And with deodorant, of course, you know, it's best to go aluminum-free if you can. There's many aluminum-free versions out there, so you can kind of play around. Maybe one works for you, one doesn't. 
I suggest trying it on a day maybe where you're staying home so you can smell yourself and you're not out in public if your deodorant doesn't quite work with your body chemistry. And then hairspray, you know, I mean, listen, we're not in the 80s anymore. We're not trying to get our hair like 10 inches off of our head. So I think a little spray of your favorite hairspray is totally cool. You don't have to break the bank and get an expensive hairspray. Just don't overuse it. If you're overusing it, it's time to get a new hairdo anyways. Okay. So water bottles. It's like, you know, the Yetis. Um, Stainless steel. So you don't want to use BPA-free water bottles because bisphenol A comes in many forms. So it is completely legal for someone to say, look, this is a BPA-free water bottle. And they replace the BPA with BPF, BPS. It's legal because it is BPA-free technically, but there are still bisphenols in it and that will still cause an endocrine disruption. And then with your food, stop the Tupperware. Throw out the plastic Tupperware. Invest in some glass, Pyrex, the poppets, whatever. Yeah, I know they have plastic lids. It's fine. It's cool. Just invest in glass. If you ever put sauce, like spaghetti sauce, into a plastic container, you know that it stains, right? It's actually breaking down the plastic and it's leaching into your food. The same as you buying a water bottle that has been in a hot warehouse we're still talking about BPA and chemicals getting into your food and then you eating it. And for God's sake, don't microwave in plastic. That's the absolute worst thing that you can possibly do. All right, cleaning products. There's so many natural cleaning products out there nowadays. I know a lot of people are selling Norwex. There's just plain old vinegar and water. And then there's uh, the Method Meyer, seventh generation, all of that. There's so much. There's no reason why you should be using crappy uh, cleaning products that are loaded with chemicals. No reason. There's too many. Same with laundry. So there's Method, there's Meyer, seventh generation. Um, Whole Foods has their own with a 365 line. There's no doubt you can find laundry soap, dish soap, hand soap that all is cruelty free and low in chemicals. I promise you that it's super easy. Absolutely no air fresheners or fabric softeners. Get rid of the downy balls and the sheets. And all those things, I know they make your laundry smell so good and then you want to snuggle up with a blanket, but that's not doing your thyroid any favors. Air fresheners and fabric softeners are some of the worst offenders next to, of course, chlorine, bromine, and fluoride. But you just don't want to use them. Those plug-in air fresheners, no, no. If you're melting a little bit of wax in a candle, that's fine. Plug-ins, absolutely not. No Glade plug-ins. No Febreze in the air, no Glade spraying in the air. Get rid of the air fresheners, please. Now, Method does have flat dryer sheets. So if you can find one of those natural lines that carries fabric softener, that's fine too. And they also, uh, Method makes a liquid one. Smells really good. Okay. The top ingredients to avoid when it comes to your makeup or body products. I know I probably should have tagged this into our makeup talk, but... Fragrances, parabens, triclosan, formaldehyde-releasing preservatives, because that's used for embalming people. Um, sodium lauryl sulfate, retinol palmitate, retinol acetate, retinoic acid. Now, retinol, listen, it, it does improve your wrinkles. It really does. My skin's too sensitive. I can't take strong retinol products. I can do retinol derivatives. It does work. It is a chemical. If that's part of your 20% for anti-aging, that's okay, but just know that it is a chemical. Petroleum distillates, phthalates, PEG compounds, 
benzophenone, homosalate, and siloxane. See, some of these you can't even pronounce anyways. You can't pronounce it. Why are you putting it on your body? Other mistakes you may be making were moving out of the toxin zone and into behaviors. So not enough sleep. When you don't get enough sleep for your body, your insulin increases. So super interesting study. They took twins. They put them in a sleep lab. Everything was controlled. Their environment was controlled. Their uh, food, their activity, everything was controlled. And all they did with one twin is bring him out of REM. So it's not like they woke him up like, hey, Jimmy, get out of bed. No, it's 2 a.m. They, they studied his brain waves, And as he was falling into a deep REM sleep, they stimulated his brain enough to bring him out of REM. It was something like, like three to four days. Don't quote me. It's, 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 it's between three and four days. We saw signs of insulin resistance. And the, the guy was sleeping. He was still sleeping. If you asked him the next day, he wouldn't be like, oh, yeah. I couldn't get to bed until, you know, one, and then I woke up at four. No, he actually, he slept. They just kept him out of REM sleep, insulin resistance in a couple of days, full-blown type 2 diabetic, triglycerides were starting to go through the roof, inflammatory markers were going through the roof. And this is why we say not enough sleep is going to make you fat, period. It is. It's going to disrupt your thyroid for sure, and it's going to cause high insulin which causes inflammation. Anytime we're talking about inflammation, we're talking about your thyroid not working properly. Increasing inflammation increases or increases, increasing insulin increases inflammation, which is going to downregulate your thyroid function. So not enough sleep is a big one. Heavy metals, amalgam fillings. We're going through this with a patient of mine right now. Um, amalgam fillings, off-gas mercury. Mercury toxicity is real. Mercury is one of the top offenders too. So if I had to put it up there, I put it right up there with chlorine and bromine chloride. Mercury is bad, 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 bad for us. And just think we used to break the little, you know, thermometers and then start chasing the mercury balls around. That was fun, right? So Mercury is a big, bad monster. And if it's in your mouth and it's off-gassing, again, mouth here, thyroid here, let's think about the connection. And it's off-gassing mercury, then you're going to have issues. In fact, your thyroid medication might not even work properly. You, we might get labs on you and the labs look great. And you might feel absolutely as hypo as the day that you were not diagnosed properly, Right. So you might feel that bad, and that's because that mercury is going to interfere with thyroid hormone absorption. It's going to interfere with how your medication works. It is so toxic on the body that we even see it get into the brain. Mercury can cross the blood-brain barrier. We actually see it in advanced dementia, Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, autism, neurological conditions, um, psychoses, bipolar, schizophrenia. Um, hold on, there's one migraines. So increased migraines can be mercury toxicity as well. In addition to just the cellular functions of fatigue and weight gain, all of those nasty hypo symptoms as well. Now, if you have a mouthful of amalgams and you're thinking, well, I'm going to go get them removed. Do not do what I did 20 some years ago. When we just started learning that, you know, amalgam is probably not, not a good idea, you know, mercury and it kind of off gases. And turns out that even if you had them in when you were, you know, 10 at the age of 22, you're still off gassing mercury. Like you would think they'd be like worn down by now, you know, 
Uh, no, they're off guessing. So I went to a regular dentist and have them pulled. That's not the right way to do it. You have to go to a biological dentist. Um, so it has to be done correctly. And lucky for me, I did not have intense symptoms afterwards. I was fine. I was fine. Yes, I did a heavy metal detox, which I recommend all of you doing. We're going to talk about detox more in the next few weeks. But I do recommend all of you doing a detox of some sort properly done, preferably a high quality one. You can always reach out to me and ask me um, to actually pull and bind the heavy metals and excrete them. That's why it's important to do a proper detox. Because if you do something that just pushes it out of the cell, and by the way, you cannot do a detox until you have your mercury fillings removed. If it just pushes it out of the cell, then it's going to recirculate. You need, you need binders as well to get it out. So mercury fillings, big one, big one. I highly, highly recommend getting your mercury fillings removed properly by a biological or holistic dentist if you still have them and if you are suffering from a thyroid problem moving on too much soy too much soy now this isn't too much a problem now because we're much more aware of genetically modified organisms we're much more aware of gmo and soy products and we're much more aware of what soy does to the body such as increasing estrogen and sometimes too much soy can increase your risk of breast cancer. So we always tell women that have breast cancer in their families or they have the BRCA genes and please limit your amount of soy. Do not use soy protein isolate. Do not eat edamame and tofu like it's going out of style. Limit your amount of soy. And that goes across the board for all thyroid patients as well. Avoiding supplements or not taking the right supplements. I apologize. We cannot get all of our nutrients from food these days. The soil is so depleted. I mean, it's welling. Listen, if you have a garden out back and you're living off the land, then you're fine. You are excluded from this conversation completely. Put your muscle on, come back in five minutes. But for those of us who are the other 99%, I can't garden. I can't. I would love to have like a nice organic garden. I can't. I'll kill it all. So I have to buy organic produce. But I know that even that organic produce is grown in soil that nobody is guaranteed has all the nutrients that it did 50 years ago. So you cannot get all your nutrients from soy. And there are some big ones that the thyroid needs. Iodine, magnesium, selenium in the correct amounts. We'll get to that. Vitamin D. Vitamin D is so important for so many things. If you're vitamin D deficient, don't cry to me about your fatigue. It's not your thyroid. It's your vitamin D levels. The soil just doesn't have the nutrients that the thyroid needs. Also, you have to think about the HPT excess. Hypothalamus, pituitary, thyroid access, you need nutrients for all that to occur. Magnesium is a big one. Selenium is a big one. So just the HPT access alone, alone needs nutrients. I will post a link to... The supplement cheat sheet that I did for Hashimoto's, these are the big ones that you need. So avoiding supplements or not taking the right ones. So when I say the right ones, some people overload and they're taking a random multivitamin. They're taking this and they're taking that and they bought it off of Amazon, which there's a lot of counterfeit there. And then they bought it at their local grocery store. Maybe it's not the best quality or you got it at Sam's Club, you got it at Costco, been hearing a lot about nature's bounty. And... I'm not a fan, not a fan of nature's bounty. 
guess I won't be ever sponsored by Nature's Bounty right now. But there are some really good ones. And you guys know which ones I like, and I'll give you the cheat sheet. We can't spend too long on that. Okay, all thyroid patients should avoid inflammatory foods. Are you eating inflammatory foods and are you eating gluten? You cannot say that it's your thyroid medication or lack thereof or that you need an increase. If you are continuously pounding your body with inflammatory foods, this is the time for top love and to be honest with yourself. Are you letting out? Yeah, but just, you know, just twice last week, three times, let's say that's enough. That is enough. If you are exposing your body to gluten, gluten will mimic an autoimmune attack. If you have Hashimoto's, you are sending out the soldiers to attack your thyroid and downregulate it. Period. End of story. Part two, inflammation. If you are eating inflammatory foods, remember we talked earlier about inflammation in the thyroid. Inflammation goes up. Thyroid regulation goes down. Doesn't work as well as it used to. And then systemic inflammation is going to prevent the thyroid hormone from getting into your cell. Are you eating inflammatory foods? Do you know, it has been said that the majority of our disease today, in our culture today, is caused by nutrient deficiencies and processed foods. So they're even calling Alzheimer's type 3 diabetes because of its relation to high insulin levels. How do we get high insulin? high intake of sugar and high intake of processed foods, inflammatory processed foods. I always say, if you want to age quickly, go ahead and keep bumping that insulin up. How do you bump your insulin up? Sugar and processed foods. Insulin high, inflammation high, thyroid low. You're going to gain weight and you're going to feel like crap. And I don't care if it was just once or twice last week. It's enough. Those little things, those little blips, the little bites up are enough that if you're not optimized right now, you're going to feel worse. You can't do it. You can't get away with it. Period. So you have to be honest with yourself. And sometimes this is where a food journal comes into play because then it's in your face. It is just up all in your grill on a day-to-day basis. You have to write it down and be accountable to yourself or to somebody else. And you have to say, yeah, I am letting a little bit of this and a little bit of that. Even if it's gluten-free, are you still doing processed foods? Are you still doing sugars, right? So are you still doing those foods that can increase inflammation, even though they're gluten-free? Your gluten-free crackers, potato chips, they're gluten-free, still inflammatory. Cereals, check mix can be gluten-free, still inflammatory. Rice, still inflammatory. A lot of rice is tainted with arsenic, another heavy metal that you're adding to the mix. So watch what you are eating. Be real with yourself. Be real with yourself. Sometimes you just do have to be strict, especially before your thyroid is optimized. And I'm not talking AIP diet misery. I'm just saying you have to be a little bit strict and a little more controlled with your diet when you are just starting out. When you're just starting on that optimization path, you have to be a little bit more controlled. Okay, what about the opposite? Eating a ton of raw veggies. So for thyroid patients, they've been told you in the past to avoid cabbage and avoid cauliflower and avoid all the cruciferous. You don't have to avoid them. You just don't want to eat them in excess raw. Cook the heck out of them. Cooking them actually brings out more of the nutrients anyways than eating it raw. So just don't eat vegetables like the cruciferous ones raw. Very, very simple. How about eating too much fruit? You say, well, if I can't eat the cruciferous vegetables, can I eat fruit? Fruit is a sugar. It is not in the processed food list 
but it is still a sugar. So it is still going to cause inflammation. It's going to cause increased insulin and it's going to downregulate how your thyroid works. Period. End of story. Don't eat too much fruit. Using vegetable oils, the inflammatory vegetable oils, the canola, the corn, the sunflower, the grapeseed. But these big vegetable oils just inflame the body. It inflames the body. So uh, there was a, a doctor many, many years ago. So doctor's name was E.V. McCollum, 1918. Took two rats. One rat was fed 5% cottonseed oil, and the other rat was fed 1.5% butter fat. Okay, the butter fat mouse was healthy, normal size, and lived 1,020 days. And then the cottonseed rat was 60% of his normal size and only survived 555 days. He was just an itty-bitty. He was nutrient-depleted. It literally depleted the nutrients out of his body. Butter fat was real fat. It was real. Cottonseed oil is refined. Um, it said that the former rat grew. Yeah, the, the rat with the cottonseed oil uh, remained stunted and suffered loss of hair and emaciation. How about all y'all that are still complaining to hair loss? Are you cooking in vegetable oils? That might be enough. It might not be that your thyroid is not optimized. It might be that you're increasingly eating inflammatory foods, that's not going to make your hair grow. It's going to nutriently deplete you. Yes, we take supplements because our soil is depleted, but let's get some nutrients from food. Let's get some. We're not asking you to rely on supplementation to get all your nutrients. Get some nutrients from the food, but don't do things that are going to actually rob your body of nutrients like corn oil, canola oil, safflower oil, sunflower oil, grapeseed oil. Don't do it. Get the inflammatory oils out completely. Okay. Another big one. We're coming to the end. We're coming to the end. Hang in there. Not taking your thyroid meds correctly. So my T4 people, that means if you are on T4 only, T4 and T3 combination, or NDT. Now this is comprising most of us. So my T4 people, if you are not waiting one full hour before you eat or drink coffee, you are doing yourself a disservice. Thyroid medication goes from an absorption rate of 86% if you wait one full hour down to sometimes 50 and 60%, depending on did you make it 40 minutes or did you make it the full 60 minutes? That's a huge percentage loss. Wait that one full hour in the morning or take it right before bed, your T4 only. This doesn't always work with NDT for people because NDT contains T3 and that can wake you up. Now, some people have taken it successfully before bed and it improves their sleep. Good. Most people are going to be stimulated by that T3 peaking for hours and you're not able to take it before bed. If you're taking T4 only or even T4 and T3, but they're separated because they're the synthetic versions, take your T4 right before bed. Studies have shown well, one big badass study showed that it improved absorption rates, it lowered TSH, it increased free T4 and free T3 levels, it decreased reverse T3, and it decreased antibodies, and patient compliance was better because you didn't have to wait that full hour before eating or drinking your coffee. 
Make sure you take your medication at the right time. The other big mistake that many of my patients who are just coming to me and we're just starting together and they're on an NDT medication or they're on a T3 medication and they're not split dosing it. They're going, no, my doctor told me just take it, take it all at once in the morning. Number one, some of you are not experiencing very pleasant symptoms because you're taking that big bomb of a dose in the morning. Your body's not used to it yet. Let's say you're taking, I'll give you an example. 90, um, this is a patient last week, 90 milligrams of armor in the morning was not towed the split dose. And she's going, well, I wonder why I felt so, you know, like jittery and like I'm crawling out of my skin and heart palpitations and out of breath and, and my heart rate's angry. Well, yeah, because your body's not even used to 90 yet. That's what you're starting dose and you're dropping a big bomb on yourself. Number one, we should probably titrate up. Number two, at least split dose it. 45 and 45. Because T3 is going to spike. It's very in and out of your system very quickly. So you're going to get that four hour peak and then you're going to go down the other side. So yeah, she felt great in the morning. Well, probably a little bit too hyper in the morning, a little, little, little jittery, anxious, uncomfortable. And then by the afternoon, she was crashing. This T4, T3 was out of her system. Split dose, your NDT, because T3 is in and out quickly. It peaks at four hours. If you're taking T3, Segamon, Leothyronine, Split dose it morning again in the afternoon, like one, two. It doesn't have to be exactly 12 hours. And some people multi dose, some people will break it up into four different doses. That's completely up to you and up to your practitioner. But at least, at least split dose anything with T3 in it, NDT or T3 only. So the one before the last one, taking selenium or iodine without knowing your selenium or your iodine lab value. I always call iodine the Goldilocks mineral, but I'm kind of thinking that selenium is too, because I have a patient that wasn't taking selenium, but she was eating Brazil nuts every day and we got her selenium back and it was over range, just from the Brazil nuts. So I always suggest first, know your selenium level and then you can dose accordingly. You might only need either a Brazil nut or a selenium supplement twice a week. That might be all that you need and then you'll be good to go. Maybe your selenium is low and then we increase it and then we retest. Same with iodine. So iodine you want to have at optimal levels, not too high, not too low, kind of like Goldilocks. So know your values before supplementing with either of those. And then I'll end with the big one. I'll just end. Use fluoride toothpaste or, well, no, using fluoride toothpaste or drinking Mountain Dew and soaking in a hot tub is a big, bad no-no. Bad, bad choices. Do not use fluoride toothpaste. Do not get fluoride treatments. Please stop drinking Mountain Dew because that's part of the processed foods thing too. And it contains bromine, like brominated wood rosin. Like read that ingredient and then take a swig and then get back to me. And then soaking in a hot tub that uses those little floaty bromine tablets. You might actually go hypo if you're exposed to a hot tub for a few days like on vacation. You might have to do some iodine to pull that out of you. So those are the big ones. Those are the big mistakes. Now I want to get to you guys' questions. Uh, Michelle, how common is it to have thyroid issues and B12 deficiency? Well, very common. So B12, Michelle, 
we actually like this has methylmalonic acid. So when we're looking at your total panel, we're looking at an iron panel to see if you can actually be um, have B12 deficient anemia. And then there's that tie into folate and do you have MTHFR. But we really like to test methylmalonic acid over B12. So if your B12 shows deficient, I do suggest getting a methylmalonic acid test done as well to get that true picture. And then also um, when you're testing magnesium, look at the RBC magnesium and not just a, a flat magnesium panel. Uh, Cameo, you're saying I switched to the zero water of oh, the water pitcher that you re- recommended a while back. It's so good. Yeah. I mean, it's, so I actually looked this up for a paper I was writing last year and I wanted to compare the zero water water pitcher with whole house osmosis, which is very, very expensive. And the zero water water pitcher did a great job at like kind of coming head to head with the, the, the reverse osmosis whole house filtration system. It filtered out a large amount of heavy metals and chemicals, especially chlorine. So good job, Cameo. Stick with the zero water water pitcher and everybody else can get one too. Okay. Deborah. Hi, Amy. My doctor up my center and I'm 61. And she just left it in January of this year. I'm so weak. I can hardly walk. I feel like I'm dying and I don't know what to do. So Deborah, it's hard to say because I don't know anything else about you. Your numbers, your labs, your health history. Um, I know that you're on Synthroid though. So in general, and if you've watched me for a while, you will know that I am not a fan of T4 only. I'm just not. It does not work in the majority of patients. So when we're looking at how you feel, if you've been on Synthroid for a long time and they keep upping your dose and upping your dose and you still feel like garbage and you still have a ton of hypo symptoms, then it is possible that you're on the wrong medication. You also have to have your reverse T3 tested to see if that T4, is it converting to free T3 or is it converting to reverse T3? So make sure that you have all of the labs done, all of them done so you get that full picture of what your thyroid is doing. And then we would have to check other things too. We would have to check your iron panel, maybe do a four point salivary cortisol test on you. And being 61, you know, Deborah, you still need hormones too, right? So testosterone, estrogen, progesterone. So we need to know those levels as well. So please, Deborah, feel free to reach out to me. You can PM me. You can go to my website, amyhorneman.com. You can send me an email. There's a contact form on there. Let's just jump on a quick call so I can see exactly where you are in your journey if those tests have been done or not and what those numbers are. And we can kind of proceed from there to get you feeling better because there's no way that you should feel that way. You shouldn't be so weak that you can hardly walk and feel like you're dying. So we can definitely get you fixed. I promise you. Okay. Deborah, even bad for us without a thyroid. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. And yes, because think Deborah, it's how you're, you're, you are now replacing hormones that are no longer there because you're not a thyroid and you want those hormones to do what? get into the cell. Well, specifically one hormone, T3. And then you want T4 to convert to T3. Why would you want to do anything that that got in the way of that conversion? You don't. You do not want to do anything that gets in the way of that conversion. So yes, it is for you too. Kristen, so all of my numbers are good except vitamin D. And this time the TSH was high. Ooh, that is high, 7.062. Was on Synthroid. They changed it from 112 to 125. That's whatever. I'm not a fan of T4 only. Haven't had a period since 2018. My testosterone was high back then. So maybe you've been PCOS. Have PCOS, yes. Okay. So my testosterone is now 37. Estradiol, 
was 13.9, progesterone 0.2. They want to put me on either Combopatch or Estrona. So yes, your TSH is definitely high and that will interfere with hormone levels for sure. And then the PCOS, even though your testosterone is down, it would be interesting to know what your fasting insulin, your hemoglobin A1C and your glucose numbers are as well, because as you know, high insulin accompanies PCOS and that can interfere with all of your symptoms, right? And then um, being on Synthroid only, yeah, going from 112 to 125, it's not going to produce any miracles. I'll tell you that. It's not going to improve the way that you feel. T4 is like the, what is it? The tortoise. So T3 is the hare. T4 is tortoise. Hope, at what point would you start considering the pituitary gland as an issue? Um, Last. It's very rare that it is the pituitary. Um, Sometimes, so if we look at FSH and LH, and those are in the tank, that's kind of a first indication that the pituitary is, it might be at play here. And if we can't just, we can't get someone regulated and balanced, we always treat the thyroid first. You try to optimize that. There are tests that we can do, mainly FSH and LH being in the toilet, being low, definitely an indicator of pituitary. Um, but no, we don't jump to that hope. You'd be surprised at how few cases, I mean, even 24 years of me doing this, how few cases, maybe one was an actual pituitary issue. So yeah, it's last. Ashley, is it bad to buy vitamins off Amazon? Oh, get me started there, Ash. Yes, 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 yes. Um, I have a video. It's on my YouTube page. So if you go to my YouTube page, you go to YouTube, type in my name, you're going to see it. All of my videos are up there in case you want to go back and look. I know they're sometimes hard to find on Facebook. So go to the YouTube page. And in there, there is a video. Hypothyroidism mistake number two or three, not knowing where your supplements come from. Watch that video. Miss Ashley, watch that video. It is eye-opening how easy it is to counterfeit supplements on Amazon. And because supplements are not FDA-regulated, which we don't want them to be, but because they're not, you don't know. You don't know, and it's not against the law to counterfeit supplements. I mean, I'm sure there's some kind of fraud thing, but it's not like a major crime. So, um, no, do not ever, 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 Ashley, buy your supplements on Amazon. So I'm going to post, like I said, after this video is done, I will post my link, my cheat sheet for hypothyroidism and Hashimoto patients for supplements. And in there, it will have a link of where to buy them. It will give you a 20% off code. I personally love Designs for Health because they're family owned and operated. Everything is made in the USA. They have a physician on staff. In fact, one of my patients called today. And because they do have a physician on staff, they can answer clinical questions about how a supplement may be reacting to you. I am not a supplement absolute pro. I know what they do and what we're looking for and what you should take. But when you call the company, because maybe you're having like a weird side effect that nobody else has had, and they can answer it for you because they have a physician on staff, that is money. I guarantee you, you cannot call Nature's Bounty and talk to a physician on staff. You can't call the Sam's Club brand of the fish oil that you bought that they got from China and ask them about the odd, bizarre, like, I don't know, third eyeball that you're growing out of your head. You can't ask them that. They don't have a physician on staff. What about collagen? Is nature way a good vitamin? Absolutely not. That's kind of like nature's bounty. And we just say, do not, do not get your supplements off Amazon. I will post that link, I promise you guys, because it's very, very, very important that you know where your supplements come from, who makes them, the quality. Listen, if you're going to draw, let's say, okay, let's say your nature's bounty, nature's way, Sam's Club version. Let's say you got it for, we're just going to use this here. Let's say you got it for like $10. 
because you looked at the really high quality one online and it was 20. Did you just save $10 or did you just waste $10? You just wasted $10 because you bought something that's not even going to work in your body. It's not going to do what you want it to do. Let's say you bought a cheap vitamin D. You think it's going to raise your vitamin D levels to optimal? No. So if you could just spend the extra $10 and skip the trip to Starbucks this week, you would have a high quality supplement that is actually going to move numbers, make a difference in how you look, feel, and perform. And that's what you want. So that is my spiel. Listen, I don't like cheap supplements. I am a supplement snob. I want you guys on the best ones. That's why I did the cheat sheet up for you. Um, now, are there other good quality supplement companies out there? Yeah, absolutely. This is just my favorite. I like Designs for Health. Allison, what type of iodine? Good question. So you want to get um, potassium iodine. The one in, I like Lugol solution. So it's, um, I think it's J. Crow Lugol's. And I use the 2.5% to titrate up slowly. That's the one that I like. I know Iodorol is a good one too. Designs for Health Iodine Synergy has the right type of iodine. I think it's iodine potassium. I'm, don't quote me on that. I'm not 100% positive. Oh, I'm guessing you have to order your own selenium level. My current endo doesn't order my my request anymore. Going for second opinion. I've been doing two Brazil nuts a day since 2018. Yeah, order your own, Hope. And um, you can also, you can get them off of altalabtest.com. So that's a great site to order your own labs. And you can definitely get a selenium off of there. But Hope, also, if you want to work together, we can hook you up with, you know, endo is not my fave. Just not my fave. They don't do it. They don't optimize people. I'm telling you, I know the whole endocrine system. We just said endocrine disruptors, thyroid, endocrine system, thyroid, endocrinologists don't really know the thyroid that well. So if you want to work together, you can reach out to me too. Eric, hey, how are you? Jumped in very late. Low T3 is a possible culprit for muscle loss. Um, possibly Eric, you know, I'm a big fan though of getting, um, testosterone levels checked in guys. We did the whole talk last week on testosterone levels that will absolutely cause muscle loss. And if you're, yeah, inadvertently, if your T3 is low, yes, you can get some muscle loss, but in men, I like to see how it's affecting hormone levels too. Is it driving up your estrogen? Are you carrying around excess fat? Excess fat will increase estrogen, driving down testosterone, increasing muscle loss. There's a tie-in all the time. Does low T3 cause vision loss or very, very blurry vision? Yes. Um, I'm only 29. My vision began to deteriorate as soon as I became severely hypo. So yes, 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 it does. Uh, just having hypothyroidism, Hashimoto's affects the vision. And then when you swing from Hashi to Graves, then we can get um, the thyroid eyes bulging. And then you can always go back to Hashimoto. So Yes, absolutely. It, it absolutely affects vision. And when you download, so if you go to my website and you click on free guides, there is a lab and symptom checklist. A lot of the symptoms on there are eye openers. They will surprise you. And you might say, yeah, I have that and have had that for a long time. So you might be shocked. I, I strongly suggest you grab that, Eric. Um, and then you've been on here for a while. You know what tests you get. So that's, that's the other piece of the puzzle is have you had all of the testing done? Um, so Teresa, can I still be your patient even though I'm in the UK? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I have like three, four patients in the UK and one, in, one or two in Australia right now. So you won't be the first. And yes, you definitely can be. 
We, the best way to do it, Teresa, is to um, shoot me a message. So to be able to talk on Facebook, we have to connect and be friends. So if you find me on Facebook, send me a friend request, then we can connect on Facebook Messenger. You can also send me a message through my Facebook page. I can reply back and then we can get you into Messenger so we can do a call. Let's just jump on a call. Let's go over things. Let's see how you're doing. And then I can explain my services and how I can help you. And we can absolutely get you scheduled. Yes, 100%. Chris. Your glucose is 108. So as I say, Kristen, glucose, fasting glucose over an 86 is insulin resistant. Now, if you're taking that in the morning, though, Kristen, you want to be careful of the cortisol weakening response, which is going to give you a higher blood glucose reading in the morning. That's natural. Allison, so I'm assuming just taking 50 milligrams of tyrosin is a much without thyroid, but my TSH was on the low end. No, 50 milligrams of tyrosin is not much. And any thyroid medication can push your TSH down. You have to think about the mechanism of TSH. TSH is a pituitary hormone. It's not thyroid hormone. When we're testing your TSH, we're not testing your thyroid hormones. We're testing pituitary hormones. And I am with tyrosin 50, just raised the T3 from 7.5 to 10. TSH goes lower. It does that. Uh, T3 raised, but it's still not optimal. 2.61, optimal 3.5 or above. Do you think I need to raise my more T3? So I can't answer you directly, Miss Anna, because I can't tell you what to do with your T3 medication. Because that would be me giving medical advice, right? So I can tell you in general that your TSH is going to go down, especially if you're on T3. So we see, you know, up above, even on, on 50, the TSH, well, what you said, on 50 milligrams of T4 alone, the TSH can start to go down. Then when you add in T3, it's going to be suppressed. My TSH on T3 only is, I believe it's 0.005007. I posted it a long time ago in the Attuned Thyroid group and on my Facebook page. You can go back, scroll through, look for that. I posted my labs. My T4 is in the basement. My TSH is in the basement, but I'm on T3 only. You have to understand what the mechanism of action that the medication does. And Anna, your doctor needs to understand that as well, or anybody's doctor. Oh my goodness. Amber, we were just talking today about your doctor not understanding the low TSH. It's going to happen. It's going to happen on any medication. TSH is a pituitary hormone. It is not, remember, think of the HPT axis, hypothalamus, pituitary, thyroid. It's a signal. It's a feedback loop. When you're taking T3, your TSH is going to become suppressed and people have to know that. Doctors have to know that. Okay. Um, so in general, Anna, also to add to your question, optimal T3 is 3.5 or above. If you're not optimal, then we need to do the math, right? Let's just go from there. Um, can you tell us what the hypothalamus is, how it works along with thyroid? So there's HPT axis pan. Hypothalamus sends signal pituitary. Pituitary sends signal to the thyroid. Mm -mm, make more thyroid hormone. Hello, thyroid, wake up. We're not detecting the thyroid. This is the abbreviated, dumbed down version, but bear with me. Hey, thyroid, you're not making enough thyroid hormone. You need to make more. You need to make more. You need to make, you need to make more thyroid hormone. So as the TSH goes up, the pituitary is essentially like yelling at the thyroid, like, hello. Hypothalamus is like, pituitary, could you do something about this? Like, get this show working properly or something? Send out some TSH nudge the thyroid a little bit to make more hormone. The thyroid either does or doesn't. What about when you're taking thyroid hormone? System's going to be happy. TSH is going to go down because it doesn't have to yell anymore. It can kind of like whisper like, hey, thyroid, you're doing a great job. 
I think there's enough thyroid hormone in the body. I think we're good. So as the TSH goes down, pretty much all is well. Of course, we have to look for somebody going into a true hyper state, but that really doesn't happen often. Sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. If you are truly in a hyper ER, hyper thyroid state, the TSH is going to be in the basement, the free T3 and your free T4 are going to be whoop, through the roof and you are going to feel it. So if you are in a Graves situation, Graves, then yes, we are going to see elevated free T3 and free T4. We're going to see suppressed TSH, but you're also going to come back positive for Graves antibodies. And you're going to feel very hyper. You're going to be losing weight. You're going to feel like you're coming out of your skin. You're going to have anxiety and insomnia and heart palpitations and high heart rate and high body temperature. It's going to be all over the place and you're going to feel it. If you have a low TSH, an optimal free T3 and free T4, even less than optimal free T3 and free T4 like you do, Anna, then it doesn't matter if the TSH is 0.27, you're still in a hypo state. You're still not feeling good. You're still experiencing hypo symptoms. You are still in a hypo state. I don't care what that TSH is. So I will leave you with that because that's an important one to leave on. So thank you all for all of your questions. This one was really, really, really important. I hope you all enjoyed it. Please share it on your page. Share it with anyone that you know has a thyroid condition because this is so important. We need to get the toxins out of our life. We need to stop doing things that are slowing down our thyroid function. We need to stop doing things that are impairing T4 to T3 conversion, that are impairing the thyroid hormone from getting into the cell and making us better. We have to stop what we can stop. You have choices on some things. You have to make lifestyle and environmental changes because that will affect how you feel. It's not just all about getting into the optimal range, although that's a big part of it. You can't just keep continuing increasing your medication if you're not doing your part at home and ridding your body, your life, your health, your surroundings of all of these environmental toxins. So we'll talk more about detox, more about toxicity down the road, maybe next week, maybe the week after, I promise you. Thank you so much for listening to the Thyroid Fix Podcast. Please share this and any episode that you absolutely love on your social media platforms. And please give me a review. It is so appreciated. It just gets the message out even more. Now, as a disclaimer, we know that this is just intended for educational purposes only and is not meant to treat or diagnose any medical condition. You can always consult your healthcare professional with any questions. If you want to reach out to me, you can go to my website at amyhorneman.com. You can find me on Facebook and Instagram at Amy Horneman Nutrition. And you can subscribe to my YouTube channel to see live videos and all the good stuff that I put out through the week in addition to this podcast. Just search me on YouTube and subscribe to my channel. 